0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together in serial form, during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 18 Written and Recorded by Betsy Bush Wiping away the tears, Trevor suddenly realized that he would need to get himself together. As deep as his grief ran, he knew that he had no choice but to leave the hotel as quickly and carefully as possible. Hazel, or Rebecca, rather, had been counting on him to help the order take down the global database. He could not waste time by being caught at a gruesome crime scene. Hastily surveying the room, Trevor picked up some shattered laptop computer pieces. He was disappointed to find it had been shot to bits in the firefight, but decided it was probably for the best. I suppose it wouldn't have been of any use, with everything being monitored by Global anyway, he thought to himself. Trevor had had the manuscript on the floor under the table with him last night, and it remained intact in its yellow envelope. He gathered it up with a few other non-technology items and stuffed them into his duffel bag. Clean underwear, toothbrush. Despite the grim scene, Trevor couldn't help grinning to himself as he thought, I wonder if Global has figured out a way to keep track of how many times a day I brush my teeth. Maybe there's even a mini-GPS in my toothbrush he bitterly tossed the toothbrush aside. After slipping down a back staircase and out of the building, he headed for a quiet Manhattan branch of the New York Public Library. He still didn't know whom he could trust, but he needed to lay low until he decided on his next move, and a public library was always a good place to get lost in anonymity. Finding an empty carrel at the back of the library, out of view of the rest of the room, he brought out the manuscript. Setting aside the envelope, and the thin cardboard backing that had been used to support the stack of typewritten onion-skin pages, he began leafing through them, and rereading parts, hoping to piece together some of his thoughts. How could Hazel have been Rebecca? He must have imagined the resemblance. Rebecca had died. Hadn't she? When he had asked Hazel about Rebecca Sharp, She managed to elude the question, and give him a vague enough answer that he wasn't sure what she knew. This hadn't surprised him at the time, as Hazel had already established that she wasn't offering up any information. He knew he needed to put it out of his mind for now. There was time to grieve later, or re-grieve, if necessary. His life was in danger. He needed to focus on his mission." After several undisturbed hours without any new leads from the manuscript, he stacked the pages and slid them back into their envelope. He had forgotten to put the thin sheet of cardboard in behind the pages, and as he reached for it, he noticed a corner curling back slightly. He absent-mindedly picked at it, like nervously peeling the label off a beer bottle before tossing the empty bottle in the trash. He wasn't surprised to find that the board peeled easily apart— But between the layers of paper pulp that made up the sheet of thin cardboard, Trevor was startled to find a bit of writing on the inside of the board. Shapes formed themselves into groups of what Trevor supposed were words, but he couldn't read the meaning of the words. Running his fingers lightly across the surface of the writing, the parallel textured ridges told him that he was holding a fragment of papyrus. Przak had used the manuscript as a cover for the real clue, Trevor immediately knew where he needed to go next. Luckily, he hadn't headed up to Cornell, so he was already in the right city. Hailing a taxi, Trevor headed to Broadway and 114th Street. Trevor had heard Professor Prezak talking about his work on translating languages written on ancient papyrus, but, while Trevor had been interested in Prezak's professional work on codes and ciphers, he had not paid much attention to this hobby of collecting and translating ancient texts. Trevor did not imagine that Przak had accidentally mixed this fragment in with a manuscript. The professor may have been scatterbrained, but he did not misplace valuable relics. While spending time chatting with Przak, Trevor had gotten to know some of the other students who admired this professor's work and hobbies. Shanna had seemed rather unremarkable the few times he had run into her outside of Przak's office, but they had spent some time talking, while they waited for the professor to return for office hours. She had also been a friend of Rebecca's, and Trevor had seen Shanna occasionally when she and Rebecca had studied together. Though they had not kept in touch, Trevor knew from the professor that Shanna had gone on to study rare book and paper conservation in Vienna, and was now working as an assistant in the papyrology lab at Columbia University, which held one of the few specialized papyrology collections in the world. Trevor navigated his way through small crowds of students on the commons in front of the university library building. Once inside, he headed toward the elevators, as they called them in the States, and, lost in thought, stepped onto the nearest open elevator. "'Where's your up?' "'asked the man, who held the door open for Trevor. "'Pardon?' Trevor took a mental double-take, "'as the chinchilla started kicking up the dust in his brain. "'Are you going up?' the man repeated impatiently, "'with finger poised over the elevator buttons. "'What floor?' "'Oh, yes, eighth floor, please,' Trevor replied, "'still unsure if he had heard the man write the first time or not.' "'Trevor wouldn't have thought twice about mishearing "'if the phrase, "'Where's your up?' hadn't triggered something in his brain. "'But where had he heard it before?' "'Trevor examined the stranger with his peripheral vision, "'but noticed nothing unusual about the man's behavior or appearance. "'Perhaps in his thirties the man stood casually facing the front of the elevator "'with book-bag slung over his shoulder. "'Probably a graduate student heading for some serious studying.' "'Trevor reassured himself, but was still uneasy. "'As the man stepped off the elevator at the fourth floor, "'Trevor allowed himself to relax a bit from his hyper-alert state, "'but sent the chinchilla on a search through his personal memories, "'just in case. "'On the eighth floor, Trevor took the opportunity "'to gaze out of the expansive window toward the city. "'There was no hurry now. "'He was lost in a huge city. "'Global couldn't find him here.' he had time to listen to the chinchilla. "'Shh!' hisses a six-year-old Tracy as she and her twin sneak into a spare bedroom in Aunt Lydia's sprawling 1970s-style house. With the grown-ups being so serious, perhaps it was another funeral, or maybe just a regular family gathering, the children are getting antsy. Hide-and-go-seek with the cousins is exactly what they need— while the adults talk and linger over drinks in the dining-room. Trevor heads toward the bed with its heap of overcoats and wraps, where the guests have piled them. "'Tracy, bury me under the coats. Then you hide in the closet,' he whispers, delighted with the idea of this sneaky hiding-place. He burrows under the heavy wool and fur coats as Tracy arranges them over him. She dashes to the closet just as they hear footsteps on the wood floor in the hallway outside of the room. Tense with anticipation, Trevor tries holding his breath, so as not to be discovered too soon. Footsteps enter the room, and the bed sinks on one side as a grown-up, not a cousin, sits down. The quiet rattle of the Bakelite phone on the bedside table, the whirring of the rotary dial. Then... Uncle Jeffrey's muffled voice. Where's your up? Pause. I know where Top is, but where's your up? Pause. Blue will cover while I'm attending to family business, but I still need to be in contact with your upper. Pause. All right, fair enough. Good-bye. Shrieks of childish laughter pour from the closet as Cousin Julie discovers Tracy's hiding place. The girls pounce on the mound of coats, and Trevor erupts from the pile, giggling and jumping on the bed. Uncle Jeffrey, still in the room, joins in the laughter. After hearing an extremely abridged version of Trevor's adventures, Shanna took the cardboard from Trevor and carefully examined it through a small magnifying glass over her workbench. She tucked her graying hair behind her ears as she gently brushed away some debris from the surface. I'll need to remove some of the paste that's holding the papyrus in place on the board. Looks like Przak did a good job, though. He even used acid-free cardboard. Shanna grinned as she began dabbing the surface with a fine paintbrush from a small water container. I'm not so good with Middle Eastern languages, but Dr. Grant or Gary will probably be able to translate it for you. Trevor watched as she continued her delicate work, for which he knew he never would have had the patience. Shanna suddenly raised her head. "'Ah, you have a palimpsest on your hands here,' she said knowingly. "'Really?' Trevor responded, trying to hide his interest. "'Can you make out what was written before?' "'Well,' Shanna nudged the fibers of the fragment with a thin metal spatula. "'No, not really. But it is clear that the undertext has been washed off to make way for the new text.' That's rather rare with papyrus, though. It was so cheap to make that no one bothered to reuse it. This is seen more often with animal-based documents, like parchment or vellum. "'Anything else you can tell me about it?' Trevor inquired. He had suspected that there was more to the papyrus fragment than just what appeared on the surface. Hmm. Shanna hesitated. "'Yes. It's a forgery. And not a very good one.' "'Yeah? How can you tell?' Trevor could no longer hold back his excitement. "'Well, besides its having been overwritten, the writing is in the wrong direction. The text is written across the vertical fibers, and the side with the horizontal fibers is blank. The ink isn't right, either.' Shanna shot Trevor a quizzical glance, making sure that he was following her. Trevor nodded. "'And there's something else.' she continued. "'What?' Trevor urged her. "'Let me show you,' Shanna replied, and reached for a light-box from a shelf over her bench. "'Come on.' Carrying the papyrus on the cardboard in one hand and the lamp in the other, she led Trevor into a small closet-like room, closed the door, plugged in the lamp, and switched off the main light. The tiny room glowed blue in the light from the UV lamp, the shape of a cross and some Latin words stood out clearly against the pale papyrus background. See what I mean? Shanna concluded. End of chapter eighteen. Recorded in Marquette, Michigan, on November nineteenth, two thousand six.